Let us open our Bibles this morning to Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are high, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows your frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. On those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them, the Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasures. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let us pray. <clears throat> now, O Lord, be with us. Open our ears and hearts that we may hear and understand what your infallible holy word teaches us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. <clears throat> Today I want to talk about thankfulness. All Christians know that you should be thankful to God. As sinners, we find this difficult to do. We overlook so many of God's blessings. Perhaps we don't even know what to say. In the book of Psalms, we are given many examples of thankfulness, and we need them all. As we look at Psalm 103, we see that it is a joyful psalm. It is an excellent psalm for us in times of trials or sorrow, because it points us to God as being our comfort and faithful Father for the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ. The theme of this psalm is set forth in verse 1. We read in Psalm 103, 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Here we read the theme of all that the psalmist is going to write. God calls upon us to praise him. This is not a matter of a few words or even some thankful thoughts. Our praise to God is far more forceful than that. To say that everything inside us is to praise the Lord is similar to saying that we must praise the Lord with all our hearts. 
We must not hold anything back. This is the same idea we get in the first great commandment. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. When it comes to our love and praise of God, we are to hold nothing back. We are to be earnest, joyfully, entirely dedicated to the glory of God. But what shall we praise God for? This is really a foolish question. Let me ask you this. For what shall we not praise God for? Or give thanks to God. But as it happens, the psalmist is going to list several different areas of our lives for which great praise needs to go to God. First, the psalmist says we should praise God for his blessings and to each one of us personally. We read in Psalm 103, verses 2 through 5, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. I believe David starts with the blessings we receive personally because we are naturally selfish people. We might be thankful for the things God does for others or for believers in general, but our real concern is with ourselves. Even considering our personal blessings, we are pretty slow to be thankful. That is why verse 2 says, forget not all his benefits. We are very forgetful of God's blessings. We take things for granted. We need constant reminding of the goodness of God. Before the children of Israel entered the promised land, God warned them not to be so distracted by their blessings that they forgot to give thanks to him. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 through 14. When you have eaten and are full... And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, don't get so comfortable with your blessings that you forget to give thanks to God. Now David starts listing some of his personal blessings. Verse 3 starts with the list with the most important blessing of all. He writes, who forgives all our iniquities. This is the first and greatest blessing. All other blessings end when we die. We cannot take them with us. But forgiveness through Christ is a blessing not only for us now, but which will also be ours for eternity. Amen. Listen to what Jesus said to the paralyzed man in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Now, those who carried this man probably thought that physical healing was the most important thing Christ could give him. But what does Christ do? He tells the man to be cheerful 
And why should he be cheerful? Not that he was healed physically, but that his sins were forgiven. He was no longer under God's wrath, but in his love. Christ suffered for us so that his people would not suffer, would not have to suffer the eternal punishment of our sin. Paul put it this way in Corinthians or Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Not only has God blessed us spiritually, but he has blessed us with blessed us with riches untold in this life. Verse 4 and 5 tells us that God crowns and satisfies his people with good things. Every good thing in this life is a matter of thanksgiving to God because he gives them to us. This is why we read in James chapter 1 verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Our faithful God is constantly blessing his people. As Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. <coughs> Excuse me. Next, David says we should praise God for his blessings to his people and to his church. We read in Psalm 103, verses 6 through 10, The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Here David says that God will always be merciful to his people. God's people are called the oppressed because we live in an alien world. First Peter 2.11 calls us strangers and pilgrims. This is not our home. Those in this world will always ridicule us for our faith. 2 Timothy 3.12 warns us, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The persecution may not always be violent or obvious, but this world will never feel comfortable with our faith. They will take God's name in vain. They will make fun of holy things. And of course, things could not get much worse than that. But God takes care of his people. David mentions how God delivered Moses and the Israelites from Egypt. Certainly the Israelites suffered for a long time, centuries in Egypt, but at the right time, God delivered them, and he will deliver us as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, There has no trial taken you by such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tried above that you are able. But will a trial also make a way to escape? that you may be able to bear it. God's mercy even extends to the way he deals with our sin. He certainly does not give us what we deserve. We read in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. Yes, the Lord chastens us when we sin, and it hurts. But his purpose is not to destroy us, but to lead us to repentance. 
The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Therefore, Christians can even be thankful in hard times because God in his faithfulness sends chastening to bring us wanderers back to him. Therefore, we are not to, cons not to consider God harsh when he afflicts us, but rather be merciful. As we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 6. <coughs> and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Going on in verses 11 through 14, David calls us to praise God for his forgiving love. We read in Psalm 103, verses 11 through 14, For as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. This part of the psalm is very familiar to the beginning. The difference is that in the beginning of the psalm, David's giving thanks to God for forgiving his sins personally. Here David gives thanks for, for forgiving the sins of all God's chosen people. These verses follow what we have just studied very well. God deserves praise for his forgiveness of our sin. His mercy is great and majestic as the great expanse of sky above our heads. Jet planes fly at 30,000 feet or more. We look out of their windows and feel very small as we look down miles to the surface of the earth. God's mercy is as great and as large as that. When our sins are forgiven, God puts them away from us as far as the east is from the west. Truly, in the words of Heidelberg Catechism 56, God, for the sake of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sin, nor the sinful nature with which I have to struggle all my life long. God gives his people this promise in Hebrews 8.12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. This tells us there is no sinner so vile that God cannot take his guilt away. He says in Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. No sin leaves a guilty stain so deep that Christ's blood cannot remove it. We read of Jesus in Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them, saved to the uttermost. No sin, no sin so great that forgiveness is impossible. What a blessing. What a motive for praising and giving thanks to God. Going on, David uses another reason for praising and being thankful to God. We are to praise him for his eternal love and mercy to his people. We read in Psalm 103, verses 15 through 18, as far as, <clears throat> as far as man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. 
or the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting, everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness unto children's children to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. If in verses 11 through 14, David gives, gave thanks for God's forgiving love, here he gives thanks that God's love is eternal. It never fails. Man's life will fail. His life is as brief as that of a fragile flower. Here the shortness of man's life is compared to the eternity of God's love. God's love is so different from our love. Sometimes we love someone, but if they do not show much love in return, we will give up on them. God's love is eternal. <clears throat> Although we are so very cold and indifferent in how we love God, in his mercy he remains faithful to his promises to love us. Psalm 111.5, we read that he will ever be mindful of his covenant. But there's something else in this passage as well. It is, of course, wonderful that God will love us for eternity, even after our brief life is over. But this passage also says that his righteousness shall be unto children's children. God promises to love the children of believers as long as they do not break covenant with them. On the day of Pentecost, Peter had this to say about the gospel in Acts chapter 2, verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The gospel promises are not only for us, but for our children, even to generations still afar off. This is why it is so important that parents teach their children to remain faithful to the Lord. The Lord has promised to remain faithful to them. Our psalm closes with another general encouragement to praise the Lord and give thanks to him. We read in Psalm 103:19 through 22, the Lord, has the Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless you the Lord, all you in his host, you ministers of his that do this his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. No one is left out of this command, not even angels. God is king of all creation, and therefore all creatures must bow before him. This is especially true of Christians whom God chose to save through the blood of Christ. Praising and glorifying God is the purpose behind our creation and salvation in Christ. God loves to have his children give thanks. That is why it is said of God in Psalm 22, 3, But you are holy, O you that inhabit the praises of Israel. There's so much for which to praise God. There's no excuse to remain silent. Let us all praise the Lord and give thanks. As we are commanded in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for sending us your Son to bear the wrath of our sins 
on the cross to redeem us from our sins. And for all our blessings that you have bestowed upon us, we need to be continually thankful for all you have provided for us and are continuing to provide for us and will provide for us in the future. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.